Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, I'm Steph. And I'm Simon. And this is The Food Fight, a frank discussion of food culture featuring Australia's top chefs, producers and experts. We'll chat about real issues and go places others won't. This podcast travels throughout the country and we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we gather and speak. And we pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. This episode, I catch up with my old friend Gareth Saywell, head chef at RSA in London's Notting Hill, to see how the UK hospitality industry has dealt with the effects of COVID-19. Guest today, Gareth Saywell, old friend from back in Wales. How are you, mate? Good. How are you? Yes, not too bad. Good to see you. Good to talk to you. It's been a while. It's been a very long time. We yeah. uh, we, haven't, we haven't seen each other in in person in about six, seven, eight yeah, years, well, maybe. Last time I was home was 2017, but that was a very short visit. Um, yeah. That was like a week before I opened Cavo, so I was there for like nine days. I'm not sure if I even even caught you i had to like basically not contact most people when i was there because i was like i gotta do some work and i've got like nine days there to see family and some friends yeah um, that's fine yeah but um we sort of kept kept in touch followed uh your career from uh from wales to london do you want to give us a little yeah. um a little rundown of your story of your backstory uh, your origin story the story so the story is i went to university and studied economics money banking and finance so we were talking earlier about uh head chefs sort of running into the problem of not being able to write a spreadsheet on excel Mm. or whatever so i actually do have quite a bit of experience with with that at the beginning but like you said earlier being a misfit you tend to generally sort of like fall out of uh of that and i've spoken to loads of chefs who have gone to university left university yeah. for whatever reason. um so i i didn't complete my degree i went back home and worked in a cafe um basically making paninis uh and didn't know what to do with my life and then uh somebody asked me a friend katie tanner the pollen uh are looking for chefs do you want to join? So basically started there. So you worked on the pollen as well. That's how we know each other. Um, yeah. that, was, that was just after I left, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I could potentially have been your replacement, if I'm honest. I, th- I think they, uh, did, they did hire a couple of people. I think I didn't work out. I think you were rostered in very last minute. So I think maybe we did like, yeah. I think maybe I came back and did a week, a couple of weeks after I'd finished or something, just because I was yeah, like, right. just yeah. to fill the boots. That was our, yeah, and that was our, our week together in the kitchen, maybe. Yeah, nice. Um, 
and then yeah, as as you know, it's a very steep learning curve in the pollen. Great place to learn three chefs on a service. So first day on pastry, and then and seven then onwards on seven on like tracks. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a great place to learn. Like wonderful people, small kitchen, great food, and it was let's call it real cooking. So mm. no uh, learn how to cook protein soups spaces etc etc um and then i went to well moved to london three years after that um so i wanted to cook italian food and i wanted to work in a well to move to london to work in a in a bigger restaurant see what was going on and i actually hated london as a place mm. when i'd visit uh, throughout uni and it was sort of like financial capital blah 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 and I just saw it as a rat race it was horrible and then as soon as I started getting into food I'd visit London or friends in London and I was sort of like seeing all these restaurants seeing the possibilities you know possibilities of me actually being able to eat and live in this place and all of a sudden I, I loved it so um moved there and then I worked in a restaurant called Bocca di Lupo, um, which is a uh, regional Italian restaurant. Um, and I worked there for four years. It's one of those restaurants that obviously it wouldn't be that well known outside the UK, but it's a bit of a London institution um, and pretty yeah. legendary uh, across the UK. Yeah, I think it's, uh, well, it's been open for more than 10 years, let's say 12, 13 years. Um but it's one of those places that uh, they do the simple things, but they do it right. They make their own bread. Um, again, learning curve there was fairly steep. Learning charcuterie, making salamis, uh, making anduja, making sausages, and you know you you're making you're making fifty kilos of sausages. One day I made a hundred kilos of sausages in in one go. Um, so the learning curve is very steep um, there again, but uh, super rewarding. And obviously, like st- staying in a restaurant for four years, that's quite quite a long stretch in mm. uh, in terms of well, in terms of London careers, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I. Uh, why why did, why did you why did you stay so long? Was was that was that planned, or was it just you kept learning, or you're enjoying it, or the situation was right? Um, I kept on learning so. I kept on learning every opportunity. I was even any time I'd consider right. Okay, let's learn something new. Let's go to another restaurant. Uh, I'd classic be given more responsibility, get a promotion, um, discuss this with them, and then all of a sudden you have more things on your plate to learn. Um, I think that uh, as soon as the the cooking side of it sort of like slowed down in terms of learning. I was fairly competent with sausages and charcuterie and sort of running service, et cetera. Then came the management side of it, sort of like learning how to deal with a brigade. And there was, let's say, a brigade of 15 to 20. Um, and learning to deal with, with people and people's different needs, people's different sort of like problems, et cetera, or sort of just running a day-to-day restaurant, yeah. doing the doing the the basics in terms of menus um not not in terms of input but you know changing menus dealing with problems 
dealing with allergens, dealing with the the, the things behind closed doors mm. that uh, you don't really consider when you're a CDP and you're cooking and you're you're enjoying, you're in the shit. You put your, you change and you go home, but then there's there's that sort of like behind closed doors thing of allergens. Yeah. These things are kind of as you move up the ranks, you realize that these things are as important, if not more important um, than, than whether like, you know, how well you can cook, like people management. Um, like yeah. it's all good, like to be able to write some insane tasting menu, 20 dishes long, but if you can't actually get your team to do it by teaching them, keeping them happy and consistent, yeah. then you've just wasted all your time. So it's, it's, it's something that, yeah, you're trying to get across to young chefs um and probably someone along the way said to us we probably didn't listen um so i mean it's pretty it's pretty uh it's great to get the opportunity to do that and to see that in a business yeah absolutely i think that um obviously in in terms of management styles as well i think i was told uh when i was sort of like promoted to sue role basically forget about you're too friendly with people you're too nice or not too you're too friendly you need to sort of like step back from being friends with people and start sort of like being being a boss um mm. so that's sort of that was quite difficult to take at at that point but i uh i think what i did was i sort of like started becoming some kind of like robot um and i started to sort of like work it in the way that other people would want me to work it and then i decided basically I became quite unhappy and I realized that you can you can have your own management style without without being that person so you can be friends with people but when you want things done if you click your fingers things need to need to happen so I became more comfortable with my own management style um and basically just being fucking nice to people <laughs> or or, tr- or try, trying my best to be nice to people yeah enjoying you know you're in the kitchen for such a long time uh, and uh, you know high pressure everything's hot um it's it's nice to be nice and it's I, I love what I do and I love cooking and it's it's nice to sort of to see that in other people as well rather than people people never need to be uh worried in work about what what mm-hmm. Gareth is going to say, or sort of, um, as long as they're having a good time and they're doing things to a standard, mm. um, to an exceptional standard, and you know everything is the best, the best, the best. But at the end of the day, if they're not happy, then there's no, there's no point. Is there? There's, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. It's, it's something that I, um, the kind of point I make as well is that, especially when you, you owner or head chef or exec chef, you, you spend so much time in that environment, like you, you live and breathe it. Why, why would you actively make that environment a shit place to be yeah like for, you, for yourself as well bathroom, um, i mean um yeah. like yeah i've just seen chefs where it's like you can tell they don't like being there half the time and you're like this is your business like but you're the but like you're the one making it shit so like it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do i think it's probably tougher when you've moved up through the ranks and you've been at like similar level to people then you've got to tell them what to do and then how to do it yeah. and, and that can be tough for sure but i definitely think that 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 old guard mentality of you can't be friends with everyone. There's like, yeah. you're probably not going to be like, you know, buddy, buddy, you know, having drinks with them every single night, but you, you can be nice. You can be friends. You can have a relationship outside work. 
And as long as there's respect there, you can still ask people to do something and you can tell them they need to do it better um, and, yeah. and hold people accountable. I think if everyone, as long as everyone buys in, but I think people are much more willing to buy in if, if, they, if they like you and if, rather than just yeah. doing it from fear. Yeah, for sure. And I think that if you, like you say, rising through the ranks um, in the restaurant and you see how other people have been treated or how you sort of like you go by example of, right, okay, that's how a sous chef is supposed to act or this, mm. that's how you should be. And then you you realise, I realised fairly early on within within weeks that I didn't want to do it that way. I wanted to do it my way. And see if it worked. Um, and yeah, I was I was there for well four years in total, just over four years. Um, left there as senior sous, um, and yeah, I'd I'd had enough by then. So I'd I'd seen it all and I'd uh, done everything, and I uh, had enough of that restaurant. <laughs> but it was uh, it was a great experience, and um, like that things that have sort of stayed with me obviously making pasta making everything from uh, I think it instilled more uh, in me as well so like make everything make everything yourself make everything yeah. from scratch do the simple things right and then work from there and you can you can make things as elaborate or fancy as you want then um, by you know making you know working on uh, some fish sausages and fish charcuterie and stuff now just as a project for myself something from uh, obviously all those skills come from making 150 kilos of sausage (laughs) that would make you a good sausage maker (laughs) yeah yeah towards the end uh, you're right but um yeah then after that i sort of had a few i I think i didn't have anything planned i just sort of left at the end of christmas did so i stayed like I am the diligent person, so like right until the end. Um, and then I took a couple of months, I think. So I think I was I was off for about three months. I literally sort of like, I don't want to say recovering, but sort of like giving yeah. my brain a rest, sort of like slowing yeah. things down, being what I wanted to do. And um, my, uh, well, my now wife, Mary, was sort of looking at me and she was she could see that I was sort of itching to get back into a kitchen. I, I didn't know that, but she knew that. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, banging pans and shouting around the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> calling, calling, calling lunch away to your wife. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> uh, so, yeah, she she suggested that I did a few stages. So I did a few stages in... Um, uh, St. John's um, awesome. went to St. Leonard's which was open at the time um, which uh, Jackson Boxer who uh, is the owner of the restaurant I'm currently in so I had a hand in um, I just went around and an opportunity to see how other kitchens worked I'd worked in by that point I would consider myself a very experienced chef I'd worked in two restaurants one yeah, in Wales yeah. Ireland, one in London, and that was it. That was my sole experience of kitchens. Yeah. Um, so it was nice to see St. John, how obviously it's an iconic, it's an institution, um, how they worked, and yeah, just to see how, how other kitchens worked uh, 
in in London, and that was very important for me to see before I sort of like moved on. I think, mm-hmm. um, and then there was a new opening uh, advertised, uh, so called Orose. Um, mm-hmm. We opened it two and a half years ago, and I've been here ever since. So we started um, in a, let's say, a an over, a Sioux role, let's say, overseeing it, and then um, soon became head chef, um, and I've been here since since that. So I say is a um, let's say a restaurant focused on seafood, um, British seafood, um, and then influences from here, there, everywhere. It's yeah. It looks awesome. Like it looks, um, looks like the place you want to eat um, in the best possible way. Look, looks, looks like something looks, looks like it almost, it's that kind of food that I think Australia doesn't do particularly well. We don't have too many of it. And it's food I miss is that sort of neighborhood, uh, yeah. high and casual, excellent ingredients um simplicity done well with that kind of european influence um yeah. which is just a delight to, to actually eat and experience yeah and i think it's 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 good food for chefs to cook as well um mm. or like keeps you keeps you interested um and like i said we make our own bread in the morning so we come in we make our own bread uh we make everything from from scratch everything is made in-house uh where reasonable basically um and it's yeah it's been a it's been a very successful roller coaster obviously with uh with being open closed here there everywhere mm-hmm. um but it's yeah it's been a great ride and uh, it's although however difficult it gets um obviously now we're in a very difficult period uh well in london and everywhere but uh however difficult it gets it's always a pleasure to walk through the door put your apron on and get cracking um still on you haven't even taken off for this yeah oh yeah well i uh today's my day off but we've uh we've actually closed for um closed on tuesdays now due to Mm -hmm. basically due to staffing yeah Uh, but the the fish comes in on uh, on Tuesday, so it's an opportunity for me to to crack on with some fish prep and yeah. then ease ease the pressure for tomorrow, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's um, so so opened up in 2019 or 18? Uh, 2019, uh, February 2019. So the year that no restaurant owner should have, or no no restaurateur should have opened a restaurant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, pretty, really amazing timing. So tell us a little bit about when, a um, little bit about the, I guess it was about the same time you guys closed down around March, March 2020. Yeah. Um, uh, describe what, because yeah. sort of, I mean, I was in Wollongong and we were all the sort of restaurant owners. We had a little group chat and we were trying to work out what's going on and everyone was predicting like, I'm going to get locked down, this, that, the other, I think. I think UK may have gone a little bit beforehand and that was quite shocking to me. And then we followed. Give us a little idea of what, what kind of London felt like at that time with, with everything starting to happen. I think it was, for me, or for, uh, the feeling that I got is that everyone uh, everyone felt quite quite positive. And so, like, let's say early March, everyone was, nah, it's not going to happen. It's not yeah. going to 
it's we're, we're not in, in it's the flow. Yeah, it's yeah, everything's fine. Obviously, everyone was very diligent with sort of hygiene, etc. But it was it was something that you felt as if wasn't going to affect you. And then as time rolled on, you thought, oh, this is a bit serious. Yeah. Um, and then it came overnight, essentially, sort of like immediate lockdown. So we had one uh, surreal day of, uh, or evening, let's say, at the end of uh, shift of sort of like fermenting everything, pickling everything. <laughs> yeah. What can we? Then Noma fermentation book out that night. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's three percent. Cool. Just go with three percent. Chef, what do you want? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the whole book of three percent, isn't it? Yeah, just do it three percent. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. Just, it's just remember, it's always three percent. It's always three percent for something. Absolutely, two percent, two percent for something that you you want a little bit faster, uh, yeah, yeah, and you're good. Yeah. Uh, if I if I knew at the time how long we'd be be in, I would have gone five percent. But, uh, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I think it was. Um, I don't think everyone sort of like understood that it was going to last that long. We were sort of like picking pickling things and processing things to be closed for a period of time. Mm. We thought it was a couple of weeks, sort of like rolling on to a month. But the most difficult part of it was that there wasn't there wasn't a time frame. So we were we were rolling in sort of like one week to the next, sort of like, oh, it's still going on. And you know, we were like, I tried to I looked at started off looking at the news every day and reading it. Um and it's sort of like progressively got worse and worse and worse. So I had sort of like limited my uh my news reading to sort of like once yeah. a day. Uh, otherwise, you start to overthink things, or you know, it's uh, well, especially a year ago, it was more of uh, more of the unknown. Um, it was unprecedented; nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Um, so I just kept myself busy, and you know, we were sort of like at home. I was reading books. I was uh, sort of like slowly, well, piquing my interest. And like I said, with sort of like being out, as you know, being out of the kitchen, you sort of like you start to get twitchy. Yeah. So I was just ordering. Then I ordered um, pretty well. Not, I'm not going to say half a pig, but I ordered f- f- a fair few, <laughs> fair amount of uh, pig. I got a pig's head in, and I just had my little projects. And uh, mm. I think for so at this, the time, London was in complete lockdown. There was ghost town. Do yeah. you imagine? riding riding your bike through london and seeing you know two people yeah that's unheard of yeah. um and there like, literally nothing going on whatsoever um there was no there was no light at the end of the tunnel nobody knew when things were opening up so i think behind closed doors then um you have, well, let's say discussions with civil sort of like business uh, owners um, speaking to landlords, you know, what, what, can we, what can we do in this situation? Mm-hmm. We were very lucky in terms of um, landlords sort of like being very, uh, very reasonable. Um, otherwise, you, as a business, you can't, you can't cope, can you? Like you, uh, you, know, you know better than me. Um, you have X amount of overheads. 
whether the restaurant is open or closed. Yeah. So yeah, you've got exactly. like money, money coming out, no money coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I mean, how, how, how can you cope with that? And yeah, how many restaurants? Anti how you do business, basically. Like it's, you know, it's, it's if, yeah. uh, if more money is yeah. going out and you have nothing coming in, that's not a good way to do it. And restaurants are very tight margins and there's never too much saved uh, for, for a, not many people had a pandemic fund going. I know, I know we didn't. Yeah. Um, it wasn't something our, our accountant ever warned us of, bastard? I wish he had, yeah. just in case. Why do you about this? Yeah. 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 Um, were, did, did you guys just close? Did you did you stay open? Were you doing takeaway? Were you doing home kits? Did, no. did people in London change that straight away or did that take a little bit of time? Or what was the um, pivot move? I think, so we, we basically closed every member of staff was furloughed yeah and then the uh so my boss or the owner jackson um he started takeaway and basically started to do this takeaway service which was i think don't quote me on this but i think it was sort of like one of the first in london um And then all of a sudden, he was getting phone calls from everyone asking how to do it. Um, I was at home, furloughed, and he did it with. Um, if you were if you were on the furlough scheme, you weren't expected to work at all. You were just. Uh, it's so it's flexible in terms of so it they they call it furlough. You get eighty percent of your wage. Let's say yeah. so the way the restaurants work around here in terms of um, what your wage is and what your what your overall uh, income is, is made up out of service charge. So yeah, yeah. your actual wage is essentially minimum wage, whether you're the KP or the head chef. Mm-hmm. Um, so 80% of of your wage is actually what the government pay you is so this disparity with what people were getting paid and what they would um, yes. actually normally get paid with with london's famous 12.5 percent is it still 12.5 yeah. standard yeah that is um, i've I got that in australia yet like like i'm as a diner i'm glad as, a, as an owner i'm like that'd be nice if i could charge everyone an extra 12.5 percent do you um so do you just do you, well you charge more for food then well uh the minimum we've got some of the highest minimum wage in the world um yeah. so for example a you know a qualified chef of sort of middling ability would would be on about 26 dollars an hour so it's about 13 you know 13 pounds um obviously the standard the you know living cost is higher here um but on the flip side we also it's really cheap to eat in Australia, yeah. like eating out at like a you know three hat restaurant or two or one hat restaurant is so much cheaper than the UK. So we pay really high wages and we charge fuck all for our food, which means yeah, that right. raise the fucking slim margins at times. Um, so people are paid pretty well, um, and there is there people do tip, but it's not massive. So yeah. we don't we don't need that service charge to. I mean, it'd be nice if we could just pocket it, but we don't, we don't need that to supplement wages, as it were. Yeah. Right. It's probably the main. Um, thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, living. You mentioned living. Uh, living costs. Obviously, London rent is like very high. We basically basically have just enough money to 
pay your rent and then and then that's it um but yeah i mean it was it was it came at a uh a good time for me to just sort of like relax and slow down and it was it was was terrible but it was uh it came at the perfect time for me to just sort of like slow down and i uh i did quite well actually i became healthy and you know i we were eating very well and we were exercising um and it was quite it was was good for good for the brain uh to keep Mm -hmm. occupied um yeah i uh I mean, so the the restaurant was running or working with um, with people who missed out on furlough. So basically, Jackson yeah, cool. yeah. people who couldn't get furloughed, uh, which is very kind. Um, and people just came in from here, there, everywhere, and started working, um, awesome. which was and it was yeah. I mean, good for them, good for the restaurant, um, but. I mean, you can't, you can't, in terms of a business model, you can't run uh, a takeaway service the same as you would in terms of sort of like restaurant. You can't, you know, in terms of VP, you're not going for sort of like 70% or whatever your, what your aiming is to, I, I guess, bring money in, yeah. some money, whatever it may be, just to cover, just to cover sort of like outgoings. Um, you get to get close to your rent. That's about all a lot of people uh, managed to do. Right yeah. now. That was all you were really asking for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did you do? Um, so Kavo, we, um, sort of the fi- fine dining restaurant, we, we closed, um, which we ended up closing per- permanently. The, the wine bar night parrot, which we had already thought about doing, potentially doing like Deliveroo and Uber Eats with. Um, and that's, you know, very simple dumplings, bows, white boy Asian food. So we were able to pivot that very easily to do yeah. takeaway. Um, after about a week or so of getting together, we had some ideas for Kavo, but we weren't particularly confident and it was easier to shut that up, bring our staff over to do takeaway delivery, which was, which was a bit of a, a bit of a change. Like neither of us had really worked in the bar that much. I'd done a couple of bits in the kitchen here and there, but it was very much our side gig. Um, so I mean, the, the, first, the first night we did takeaway, we weren't quite on, we weren't quite set up with Uber Eats yet. So we we're like, oh, we'll just do, so Tom, my business partner and I were like, we'll just do, we'll just do the, we'll do it. So we'll just get, we'll put it up on social media, call us, send us a message, Facebook, Instagram, fucking whatever it is, LinkedIn, send whatever. us a message, give us your address. We'll, we'll bring a, bring our Apple's machine. So I was like, right, I'll cook, you drive, sorted. And we just <laughs> got fucking slammed. <laughs> like, might run the hardest services. So like, Tom's trying to like, pack stuff and and like we weren't ready of like you know everyone at seven o'clock wants to order and people yeah. were, like all our regulars were trying to help um and we're ordering like like shit tons of food like more more food than they, they could eat more food than they normally order and it's all coming in an hour so we had to rope rope tom's dad in to come and drive a bit like his sister ended up rocking up to like pack some orders and we're just like just i was just slammed in the kitchen i was like fucking hell um so that that was that was a nice little little run after a, a week of of uh, of sitting at home doing fuck all um so yeah so we did that like, i mean that, that kind of leveled off a bit weekdays were quiet so you'd just be one of us so like a week like a tuesday night would involve one of us going in turning the steamer on turn the fryers on and probably watching a film and then pausing it <laughs> pausing it to do three or four orders 
Um, and yeah, and it was very much we didn't. I mean, the, the government here allowed us to sell takeaway booze. Um, yeah, right. Good, so we were doing some cocktails. Um, you know, it, if anything, it was pretty nice to get out of the house. Like we we're on sort of a main strip there with lots of friends in bars. Some some of the boys did did a little um, like bottle shop in their bars. Other people were doing takeaway. So everyone was kind of being able to say hello to everyone and, and keep in touch and, and support each other. Um, but yeah, so we just we just turned into a yeah a dumpling takeaway dumpling shop yeah. uh, slash, slash natty wine but natty wine shop. Yeah, nice. I think that I mean it's it's I guess that was quite nice. Obviously, it occupies your mind, but quite nice to sort of like slow down and cook something fun. Do you think? Or? Um, no, I hated it because we were pretty <laughs> sure we were pretty sure we were going to close Cabo, so that was pretty tough for me. So right, I had, that was like so. I had the, I think, I mean, it was, it was great that a lot of chefs enjoyed it and were like, I haven't had this much time off, like great to relax, great to do some exercise, great to cook yeah. at home. Um, I hated all of you at the time because I was like, <laughs> no, this is fucking terrible. What do you, yeah. what, what do you mean? This is a good thing. This is not a benefit. So I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. I can see the funny side yeah. of it now, but at the time I was not very happy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> another story. Um, the, so, sorry, you go on. Um, but yeah, it was definitely it was interesting to see everyone everyone change, and some people did some awesome stuff. Like people were doing you know cook at home things with instructions. I know some guys in Melbourne were doing like people would, would buy a produce box and then they would film all the recipes and they could cook them over the week. So it was pretty impressive to see um, the hospitality industry, probably more so than any other industry move with and, and roll with the punches and and get stuff done i know some people who did like my friend has a little bar and covid uh and it's in the sort of suburb of wollongong a little bit off the track and covid lockdown made them like suddenly everyone was ordering burgers from them and they became famous for their burgers in the area and yeah. like speaking of them they're like it was probably the best thing that happened to us yeah i mean it, it is amazing to see that but a lot of people, like you say, it has made a lot of people and they've benefited from COVID, which is, if you can, if you can do that, you've, well, you've been very lucky. You've, yeah, yeah, you know, have been affected positively by it is, yeah. is, well, is, well, not, uh, not something that you'd expect, but yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. good so good how, how long were you guys in that original lockdown for? um so we came back so let's say end of march until uh early june i believe it was i think it was yeah. the second third of june yeah um so we didn't know we were coming back until uh i think two or three weeks there was sort of like the mentioned date um so yeah it's quite quite a long time of the of the unknown and yeah. Uh, we were sat at home you know catching up on I'd never watched Harry Potter and all of a sudden <laughs> watching Harry Potter uh, watched you know uh, Star Wars in chronological order blah 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 you know, basically it was time to, things. yeah I mean I I caught up on sort of like on, on life basically yeah. um, still still haven't watched Breaking Bad but um it's a slog, but it's good. It's probably worth yeah, it. I mean, next lockdown. Just save it for next lockdown. Next I mean, you've got in your pocket, like, 
it's a long slog, but if there ever was a time, uh, yeah. you, you know you're ready now, so that's good. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, I've missed my opportunity, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was time to go back, and then as soon as we were back, it was all guns blazing. Everyone was sort of like itching to get back into the kitchen, um, and we went uh, we went fairly hard, and it was. It was brilliant. We were understaffed. Um, so it was long and hard at the same time. And it was mm. literally from zero to 100 in, well, in sort of like the first week. So it was... Yeah. And was, it, it was, was, it, was it significantly busier? I imagine London always pretty consistent with being busy. But was there a, a surge of people wanting to dine out? I think initially it was... Um, People took it a little bit easy. I think everyone was happy that restaurants were back, yet skeptical of COVID. So yeah, we have like eased into it, and then all of a sudden, as soon as people felt comfortable, it was it skyrocketed, and it was insane. And you know, you were you were full every dinner service, every lunch service. It was go go go, and we were also running takeaway sandwiches at the same time which became popular over lockdown so not only yeah. were we uh we were running a full-time restaurant we were also doing a, a takeaway gig uh right, right. At the same- so that, that, that panini making from Carmarthen came in handy yeah i mean i was i was prepared i didn't know i didn't know what it was for but it was it was for this so for that and i'll be forever grateful um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was Cool. It was great to be back in the kitchen, um, but I mean, everyone was, you know, there was lots of what ifs and sort of like plans for mm. this, that and the other. But um, I think that people were unrealistic in thinking that we weren't going to go into another lockdown. We just basically sort of like, right, whilst, well, us personally, we sort of like went in hard and we were like, right, okay things are probably going to go worse before they get better. So let's um, let's uh, make hay whilst the sun shines, basically. So we just mm. sort of like mm. try to hit as hard as possible. But being realistic and thinking that this isn't over by a long shot and things are probably going to go awry again, um, which inevitably they did. Um, but you, you had sort of, you almost planned for that and expected to happen? Uh I mean, we didn't plan for it, yeah. Per se, <laughs> we uh, we expected it and we knew it was coming, but we hadn't sort of like properly planned for it. Um, I think within sort of like a week of knowing that we were going to be locked down again, we did exactly the same process, everything, run everything down, yeah. Um, and then learning from the first lockdown, so I think they they offered like quite a big menu and there was sort of like full meals and it was like a finish at home kit, sort of like yeah. put this in the oven and sort of like warm this up, temper this, blah, 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 done. Um, and that was very good. Um, but like I said, sort of not sustainable and not sort of like, you couldn't sort of like run the business like that. So yeah. the second lockdown, they decided to only offer sandwiches. So like you said, Panini, Panini boy from Kamada and came uh, <laughs> came back, <laughs> um, and it was that was great for us as chefs to basically just to occupy our brains and have some kind of structure for the day. Um, 
we made all our buns. We made everything fresh every day. We made sort of like every every single item, and it was it was good for us to have the opportunity to make some filthy sandwiches um, with all of our own. You know, you know, we were making our own bread and butter pickles and uh, making potato rolls and making this, that, and the other, and is some you know most of it was unnecessary but it purely yeah, yeah. it was more, like, uh, it was more it was more for us than for the yeah, customers like it's, it's still cooking but without the sort of pressure and a bit a bit of bit of fun to uh to put yeah. together i imagine yeah absolutely and uh i mean yeah they were we were making delicious food but like like you say is pressure more well less pressure sort of like enjoyable to an extent but it was purely is purely for us uh, more than anything in, in yeah. terms of being sustainable as sort of like a business model is, you know, restaurants can't sort of like all overnight turn into a, uh, into a sandwich shop and yeah. you can't compete with, um, with places that sort of like purely run on, let's say economies of scale. They just go, 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 go. And volume, you can't compete with volume. And like you said, like, you know, you, you had, nights where we were prepping things ready for the next day and we were making pickles and upstairs we had a ping pong table and we were you know as soon as everything was done we were taking it easy or bringing a book in or uh that sort of thing and then some days you'd be going down on five chicken sandwiches and yeah. sort of like <laughs> and you were like what's yeah. what's happening yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit a little bit humbling when you are uh, like yeah I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to steam steam dumplings for three tickets and I feel like I'm in the shit. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I've got I a, fr a fried drop. I've got space. Ah, uh, shit. There's, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, if, if anything, it highlights how important being set up is because like yeah. when, at any level, like even if you're doing sandwiches, if you're like me's isn't done, you will go down on sandwich yeah. section real fucking hard. Where's the shredders? Oh shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of that, if I'm honest. But um, yeah. we had, no, we had a we had a great time, but it wasn't sustainable. I can't remember how long that was for. That was for that was quite. That seemed like from a viewing from over here, and obviously I, I still keep an eye and keep in touch with people back home. That that seemed like it was quite long. Like it was longer than the first time. It seemed. I think um, it, may, it might have been like you said that thing of like you start off by looking at the news like every day and then you kind of realize you're in for a long run and you stop kind of checking. So it could have been that. I think it was, it, I, I feel as if it was shorter than the first one, but I think we, because we had, we had some kind of date in mind. So you kind of like knew when, when it was yeah. like coming and um, yeah, it was, it was it was fine, but it it, it wasn't uh, it it wasn't the the best of times in yeah. in terms what, of what was the feeling uh, around? So obviously, we've just gone in. I mean, for for New South Wales, we're uh, a month into our second lockdown. Um, yeah, which I, I really think people didn't see coming here. We, we've had I mean, we've had low low deaths. Like I mean, only has gone over a hundred deaths or so. Um, less than ten thousand cases. So we've been pretty safe here. So everyone hasn't had that much to worry about and then on the flip side when there is a couple of cases especially with the delta variant we've been very quick to get into lockdown to stop it spiraling out of control but i don't think that people were not prepared in new south wales especially for another lockdown so i think it's taken a lot of people by surprise and it's a pretty tight one and it definitely feels 
um, that everyone's a little bit more more on edge. I think last time everyone was a little bit like, oh, this is different, like time off work and you know, a bit, a bit of this, a bit of that. And this one, everyone's like, oh, fuck. So what, what was the yeah. kind of, what was the, the general feeling around town with the second lockdown? So I think it was sort of like opposite here. So the first one was shit. It was sort of like the tightest. You know, like I said, the streets in London were empty. There was nobody yeah. there. There were you could ride a bike through London. There wasn't there weren't cars anywhere. Literally, yeah. it was a it was yeah. lockdown. And the second time, it felt sort of like a little bit. A little bit busier people were sort of like we i think you were allowed to go to shops um or you were allowed to uh, basically you could roam roam slightly freer than the first mm-hmm. one and i think that people were over it before it had already begun basically so i think which i possibly would uh, contributed to us going into third lockdown maybe but um People were very, very chill. Um, it, there were a lot less people around on the streets. Um, people were, people were like dealing as if it was well. This is life now. This is this is us. So like we've got to carry on and do something. Yeah. And people, um, people seemed to, you know, people weren't congregating or sort of like having. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sure some people were having parties and stuff, but it wasn't, wasn't wild. But there were sort of like many instances on, let's say that so the restaurant is on uh, not in Notting Hill, so just off Portobello Road, and mm. without fail, you people were sort of like gathering on the streets on sort of like a Friday night to have beers together, and yeah, right. you know, there, there were lots of sort of like police vans around everywhere, sort of like containing it rather than rather than just people sort of like following the rules etc um so i think yeah it was it was a weird vibe people sort of like knew that there was something weird going on but there was certainly a a split between the people that cared about it and people that sort of like thought "Ah, well let's just carry on with uh with life it was it was weird if i'm honest yeah yeah. it's definitely i think the 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 anti-vax um, COVID denier people are out in force a lot more in this second lockdown. We had a massive rally in Sydney recently with, there was like 5,000 of them fucking wandering around maskless. So I think, yeah, that's, I think, I think it's, it's, I think that's a little bit of a difference now here is it's, I think people are a bit more frustrated. They felt yeah. a bit more like we were all in this together. Although I sort of hate that term, especially when rich celebrities use it and you're like, well, you're in your mansion and you know, these guys are in a block of flats. Not quite the same, but um, yeah, I think there's a bit of frustration and kind of, and almost like a bit of, bit of blaming of like, well, if if everyone would have been as diligent as hospitality in particular, um, we wouldn't be in this mess again. So I, th- I think there's a bit of, yeah, a bit, a bit of tension kind of boiling over now at this point with with it gone on for so long. So it's, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's, 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 you kind of get a vibe of what, what, yeah. um, what, what everyone's kind of feeling at certain times, quite strange. Um, yeah. So coming out of that one, um, straight back into it again, another open up, another another pounding, or yeah, um, yeah, heavy heavy pounding. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> that was leading up to. Uh, I think that was 
Ooh. I think we were open for a month after that. Yeah. Um, it was a very short one, but it was sort of like leading up to Christmas. Um, and it was a, I think we'd expe- we expected to, to be closed over Christmas time. We felt as if that was going to be sort of like the, another lockdown, but we were again sort of closed early. So I think we, I think we closed on the 20th of December or something like that. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it was short, short, but painful. Uh, <laughs> um, it was, it was good to cook, let's call it real food again. Um, yeah. But nobody was under any sort of like misconception that it wasn't going to go bad uh, again, I think. Yeah. People, um, people, what people don't realise is, is how it's not like you just, if you've been closed for a little while in a restaurant, it's not like you just rock up one day and you cook all the food and then you serve it that night. It's, it's, it's such an effort to reopen or open a restaurant. Um, it's, um, we, we used to do it like twice a year at Cavo when we'd close for a couple of weeks um, for holidays and things. And to the point where we, we sort of stopped doing it when, when Tom and I own the business, because for everyone else, it'd be two weeks off. For us, it'd be like two, three days after we close, packing it down. And then it'd also be some stuff we'd have, we wanted to get done. And then it'd be a couple of days before we opened back up. And we're like, I think I had three days off in a two week holiday. Like it's it's so much work to get all those things. Like it's not a it's not a one day job. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, knowing knowing how restaurants work, obviously you you understand what sort of what needs to be done behind closed doors. I think people, well, pe- I, I think people generally don't have zero idea of what goes on in restaurants. They. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the, the the entire thing. What they want to do is uh, turn up, eat food, pay as little as possible for it, have a great time, and go home. Well, they they don't understand the sort of like the entire economics behind it, and sort of like the work that goes on behind closed doors, and uh, even down to cleaning. Or there's there's bodies everywhere, and there's yeah. you know. To prepare and to get a restaurant ready to serve customers um, is yeah is massive at work and yeah. I, I don't think there's a there's an understanding in general of what what goes what goes into that um, but yeah uh, we yeah we had a heavy heavy month and then we closed straight away again so that was uh, that I think that was the the toughest one for uh, for us. Um, it was over Christmas, and obviously it was nice to have Christmas off. Um, but uh, yeah, there was. I, I think by that time as well, people were completely over it. And although there was a lockdown, it was literally a split of you know people following the rules and people not. Um, so there was no sort of like togetherness and all that stuff. And there was, as as you mentioned, sort of like people starting to voice opinions. This is what I would have done. Everyone's an expert yeah. in how to deal with the world pandemic. Obviously, yeah. hindsight is a beautiful thing. And um, yeah, I mean, as soon as as soon as vaccines starting to get rolled out, that was I think that was the, the most exciting. Uh, 
part of the last uh, over the last year. It's uh, not uh, you know it's you can you can uh, sort of like dream those the beginning of the end if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. There was I mean it was the only long term answer really. It was treading water until that moment. So yeah, um, yeah exactly. So that's pretty uh, pretty amazing. So and then um, so then after that last one, it was was it into was it May? reopen uh, was it we so open so we did outdoor dining so right yeah yeah we've got let's say two car park spots outside the restaurant <laughs> uh, the chefs normally sit <laughs> yeah it's so we, we don't we, we don't have outdoor dining basically mm -hmm. um or we didn't now we do so the council has decided to or many boroughs have decided to basically pedestrianize as many streets as possible yeah. um which is brilliant i mean you you see soho for instance now it's just there's not a car in sight it's just sort of like masses of people how awesome. good that yeah in in the middle of a pandemic is sort of like neither here nor there but mm. um they pedestrianize the streets outside um so we had two parking bays. So basically, built a a semi permanent structure, provided that you can basically get rid of it. At mm -hmm. so the initial date was September this year that we had to get rid. They've, in hindsight, extended that to initially December, and then now until I think September next year. So mm. it's like forever a uh, growing thing. But um, we we'd never done a tasting menu. Um, but we opened up doing purely for, I think, to ensure spend yeah. ahead, yeah. Um, yeah. to ensure that there was actual sort of like food, um, a minimum food food spend. Um, yeah. And I think I can't remember the the exact of it, but I think we had maybe forty capacity or mm. sort of like mid thirties in terms of turns etc but it was a very small operation at the same time so we had four tables of six out there that could potentially be you know, a four a two whatever um yeah. and then two other tables outside and that was it and we basically run a a short tasting menu purely fish so we were um getting everything from day boats um from cornwall um and we were sort of like emphasize basically supporting fishermen that were well they've they've had a tough time obviously with restaurants yeah. being closed everyone everyone down i think that's what we've seen is everyone down the chain has been affected yeah. by it like from from chef to kp to waitress to manager to blah 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 all the way down the through your supply chain um which um Obviously, it was nice to support like fishermen and the guys that were um, like working working in Cornwall. So we got fish in every day um, and run a five six course menu, um, and that was until I think that we did that for four four five weeks, um, and then indoor dining opened up again in mid May. Um, or late May, um, and all of a sudden, from going to a 
we restricted our table sizes indoors, you know, for between the first and the third lockdown. So from going uh, from a, let's say, 50 capacity uh, restaurant, all of a sudden, when we opened up again, we had the, well, we had, we had possibility to do, we were doing sort of like 80, yeah, we still are doing sort of like 80 yeah. club, and all of a sudden, the restaurant has changed. It's yeah. become more of a beat. designed for, for 40, 50 that you're trying to do for 80 then. And then in our our storage, let's say, so we don't have a walk-in or whatever. So I, I run a, a fairly, fairly tight ship, let's say, mm-hmm. um, and try to minimize as, as many sort of things as possible. And, you know, basically guessing got pretty good at guessing how many of this we're going to sell yeah. all of a sudden double capacity you don't have the room for anything um and you're sort of like you're firing on all cylinders with yeah. with less chefs etc 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 and that's where um that's where those those problems would sort of like start to creep in of um i guess Still up staffing in general. Um, what's what's the vibe in in Australia in terms of um, chefs? Yeah, so and, uh, it's been interesting to see how um, UK has has hit the same snag as we we have. Um, yeah, start staffing is is the number one topic and issue um, right now. Uh, we, I mean, with with being quite low cases, everyone was rare. So as soon as we opened back up everyone was raring to go, like everyone was getting slammed, everyone was just full every day, especially regional, um, regional recovered quicker than the city because everyone wanted to get out of the city. Um, yeah. A lot of people were working remotely, so they were spending their time and money in the regional areas. So, so Wollongong, where I am, was, was, was just packed, it was huge, the bar was, was we were doing, we were doing, we were capped to um, one per four square meters. So we could do, um, we could do 20 people in the bar for for months and we were doing uh and so we ended up doing sittings whereas normally it was you know in and out whenever we, we started doing like like booked sittings and we were you know we were full for them and we were doing more money um than we'd do with a full bar normally like when we, we were just yeah. Yeah, it was turning so and everyone was the same so then the problem became especially in regional everyone wanted to open up extra lunches extra dinner extra day because they've got the the customers for it but no one has the staff um, and there is so many job vacancies around. Um, on the the bright side, the I mean, wages have been as a baseline in Australia been good, but as you moved up, it didn't didn't really ever get much better. So uh, one of the benefits is I think the what's on offer for chefs now is is much better. Wages are higher, hours are down. Um, you know, everyone's finally you know very desperate to find find good chefs. So. The market's quite good there, but yeah, it's it's the one it's the one issue. Whenever I talk to anyone across the country right now, is staffing's the problem, um, and that's a lot of it because we we sent all the all the immigrants home. Like I, I was pretty close to having to go home at one point. Um, like so, some really short sighted decisions on that, and then I think a lot of people in hospitality were just you know just sick of it, like just you know knowing that another lockdown would mean they would lose their job um with, with casual and you know gig economy workers that that was that was too tough for a lot of people to take um and it's probably a long time coming so i think although it's an issue i think it's, it can have some benefits going forward um 
So I imagine uh, you're going to find that as well is that to keep people and to get people to stay in the industry, it's going to have to pay them. Yeah, surprising that, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, shocker. I think, yeah, I mean, I think people have, so in London and the UK, uh, obviously before um, before anything or Corona, et cetera, we had the wonderful Brexit. So yeah. all, of the, all of the skilled workers um, and European guys were, you know, great chefs, whatever. They were just like, well, fuck this. Let's, let's go somewhere where we'll get appreciated. And yeah. a lot of sort of like chef friends from various countries that I know have gone either home or basically to a, to another country. Um, I imagine front of house in London, because, I mean, you'd, you'd hardly see a British front of house manager in London half the time. And who wants to be served by a British person in front of house? No one, honestly. Like, <laughs> put, put a French accent on if you are. Like, it's, it's much more charming. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, few and, few and far in between, really. There's sort of like every everywhere is just sort of like full of well I say full of British people. There's sort of like some some guys have stayed, but um it's the entire market back of house and front of house is just saturated and there's you know there's problems all across the board um with staffing. Yeah. Um and not only not only um staffing but sort of like the right the right person for the job. Um and yeah. I feel as if I mean, places places are sort of like more, I mean, getting to the point where welcoming of anyone that walks through the door. And if somebody walks through the door, they're likely to get a job, yeah. whether they can whether they can do it or not. And then sort of like there's a training period then where mm. uh, you're sort of like going through and sort of like seeing, basically giving people a chance and whether, whether they can do it or not. Um, but there's like you say there's i think chefs have sort of like sat down had a bit of time off read some books or sort of like had some time to do another hobby and some of them have decided fuck this like this isn't for me yeah uh why why am i busting my gut for somebody else sure i enjoy it but there's there's more to life than uh to be in we'll within those yeah, so I mean, yeah, I mean, all, all of the all of the benefits they've just had a had a taste of it and thought, Joe, what I I like I like my partner. I want to spend more time with her or him. Mm. And they're, I mean, they've they've had a they've had a taste of it, and uh, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world, um, especially for them. Um, yeah. I think it's going to take a bit of time for people to come back. I think obviously the industry is going to have to change with with wages, with hours, with work-life balance, whatever that that is. I've heard people say that. I don't know what they're talking about. Don't know um, what that is. <laughs> yeah, never heard of that. He's speaking French. Um, <laughs> but I think yeah, it's, it's things are going to have to address. Um, and I think eventually, then people will see the industry as a as a viable one again, and hopefully, it'll be better for it. Um, I think that it's going to be um, a watering down of talent. Uh, I think you're going to have you can have people who aren't ready for a head chef role be offered a lot of money for a head chef role, and they're going to take it. And 
I think we're going to see a, a sort of drop in overall quality of food, um, probably across all levels, which is, um, yeah. you know, going to be going to be sort of disappointing to see. And, and you hope that the sort of customers do understand um, some of uh, what's what's going on. Um, they seem to be very sympathetic to start with, but you've definitely seen the uh, the sort of Karens roll back in and the uh, the, the complaints that. You probably wouldn't have seen in the first lockdown here. Everyone was being very, very nice. Um, they're starting to come yeah. back in, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, I was going to touch on one thing for, for my listeners here. Yeah, People would not believe how few restaurants in the UK have a like a walk-in call room. Yeah. Like everyone has them here because everything's built. Like the UK, like hardly anyone has a walk-in. Like it's literally just fridges, like shitty white fridges. Like... Uh- yeah, I mean, if you if you've got to walk in, you're you're lucky. Um, let's so obviously London in terms of real estate, it's all about space, space, space. Mm. And this so the current restaurant uh, or the restaurant I'm in now, um, I mean, there's there's nowhere to put it. <laughs> yeah. Where, where where would you where would you have a walk-in so yeah we've got two stand-up fridges service uh fridges and a big freezer we don't even have space for a a service freezer so mm. let's say when we're sort of like we've got a packet jet in the corner and we'll sort of like spin an ice cream and then put it back into a minus 20 freezer um and in five minutes you're spinning another one. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> There's, uh, I mean, basically, there's, it's, it's fine. It's workable with you can you you work around it. You order less. You prep more every day. But that's the that's the whole thing is you sort of like you do everything every day rather than get it boxed for the week yeah. or whatever. So that, yeah. that's I the way I like think, to work. Yeah, I mean, anyway. I, I just think some people in Australia haven't worked like that, and it, and it shows. It shows. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a bad way to work. Um, yeah. we'll start to wrap it up. Do you think there's anything like you said that you, you know you changed to doing a tasting menu? I know people here have done the same thing, and it's sort of something they wanted to do, but were never quite confident. Um, even things like like you know taking payments for bookings are becoming a lot more common. I think there's some there's some positives that have come out. Is there anything specific that you think you've you've changed and you will keep going forward with RSA? Um, I think there's so, well, like you say, cancellation fees. Um, the feeling feeling comfortable to charge a customer that you know, doesn't rock up for their sort of like seven pm uh, table for six people. I think I think the attitude towards that has changed in terms of sort of like feeling comfortable to um, to make them pay for it rather than us pay for it. Um, hopefully you'll fill that table with a walk-in, etc. Um, it's not always the case. Um, I think we're more, I think it gives you a quiet confidence in what you're doing and you're ha- sort of happier in serving your own food as to what you think that people want to eat. You cook what you want to cook and hopefully they'll hopefully they'll dig that um and we've gone back to a la carte now um after sort of like opening back to a, sort of like a full restaurant but um it, i think it's it's just nice to experience different things and um 
yeah, I think I feel quietly, quietly positive about the future, um, but very, very quietly. <laughs> there's no, uh, there's no, I'm not fully confident yet, but um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, I think first, first moves for us and uh, for many restaurants is to get staff, and then, like you say, staffing. Uh, staffing will will take time and that's going to be a case of like you said industry change um hours pay everything considered um but that's not going to that's not going to happen overnight that's going to be a, a very long term thing um and the sooner that happens the easier it will be but um we we persevere mm. amazing gareth thanks so much for talking Awesome to catch up. Uh, yeah. Can't wait to maybe one day when international travels back to come uh, rock up to RSA and have some dinner. Yeah, that'll be banging. Awesome. Lovely to speak to you. Hello, dear listeners. Steph here. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Food Fight. If you want to get in touch with us, it's at The Food Fight Podcast on Instagram or The Food Fight Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you and we want to talk to you. Please leave us a five star review on iTunes. That really helps. If you want to hit me up, it's quicksandfood.com or at quicksandfood on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with Simon, it's Simon underscore Evans underscore TBD on Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll- Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.